We want to say thank you to our sponsors, Watchman Cigars, 1812 Barbecue, Blue Collar Cycle Shop, and our new sponsor, Operation Decisive Victory. Without you and our Patreon subscribers, this episode would not be possible. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from our Blue Collar Cycles bunkers right here in beautiful Concord, North Carolina. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to our starting lineup. Manning the chat room and the video, it is Magic Man, a.k.a. Rydog. Hell yeah, brother. And behind the control deck, it is producer Brian. Hey, guys. I, of course, be your host, Biggin, and how about you? And across the way is the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's honorable mention motorcycle salesman of the year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number one. It's Mojo. I've got, I've got to read this, uh, this dad joke because it's made me die laughing all day, and I don't want to mess it up because I'm pretty bad at messing up jokes. Okay. But what's the difference between a dirty bus station and a lobster with breast implants? Oh Lord! One's a crusty bus sta- bus station, the other's a cru- uh, bu- a busty crustacean. <laughs> I can't even say it because I'm laughing. Man. <laughs> it cracks me. Up. How about you just busted that crusty joke? <sighs> Yeah, I, even reading it too. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Just like that's our me. Show. The gift of gab. <laughs> so appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I have switched locations. I'm now in my secret bunker at Blue Collar. Right Look at now. that. Got motorcycles in the background. This is a shameless plug for the Ching. shop. So yeah, I'm I'm shameless. Anyway, appreciate you guys tuning in. You can find us on the Facebooks Southern Fried Philosophy. You can also find us on our website at southernfriedphilosophy.com. Uh, you, we have our playable links um, there. We also has our uh, base our bios and some snippets, and basically Brian, producer Brian, Brian does a great job of doing our show notes. Um, you can also wherever you basically have you download your podcast, just go there, uh, search for Southern Fried Philosophy, hit subscribe, give us a review, a rating. Um, that's how we move up in the old podcast algorithm. Um, also, if you'd like to contribute to the show, you can join us on Patreon.com forward slash SFP Radio. And um, also our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash SFP radio. Um, all right. Well, hey, again, if you are watching us live, we appreciate that. Don't forget to subscribe and like, as uh, Mojo said, to our podcast through Google Play, Stitcher, all those things. If you are listening to the show, you can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, uh, and please subscribe to YouTube. Hit the subscribe, get the notifications when we go live. If we get up to 100, uh, we get a new handy dandy logo and website url and that would be great uh and we would appreciate that uh we want to say shout out to all of our new listeners from all over around the world i noticed we've get we've been getting some more from africa uh i don't know if uh it has to do with that the nigerian prince that's been emailing me but it, it could be i don't know i'm gonna ask you like i ask you every week guys how are you doing producer brian how you been doing well, I'm doing good. Um, uh, Carbapalooza continues. 
So I'm still yeah. eating terrible food. I have some time to continue that. Um, finally tried the Wendy's breakfast, as you've been suggesting for six months or so. Right. And if you're just tuning in, we tried to be healthy at the beginning of the year. Uh, we all went on diets. Things were going great. And then coronavirus hit, and we decided either, it was either carbs or corona. And we all chose carbs, so at least we're still alive. So well, that's good. Yeah, we were all we were all going to die in March anyway, so <laughs> yeah. it didn't really matter. Well, it's still March, so it could still happen, right? That dude, it's, I thought it was April. June, right? Because I don't even know what dang month it is. It's ridiculous. I have no idea what. So I, I didn't know it was Thursday. <laughs> so I am stoked about your review of the the Wendy's breakfast. Yes, the much anticipated producer Brian Wendy's breakfast sandwich review. Uh, so I took your advice. I went, got the uh, honey butter chicken biscuit. Hey, buddy. Um, it was chicken. There was a biscuit. Oh, no. And there was honey butter. Oh, no. The honey butter was definitely the best part. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> you like where this is going, right? No. To be honest, it reminded me of a Chick fil A sandwich. Like the, and not in the best way. Like the oh. biscuit. It like it, it might as well. I think I think you could get a better breakfast at Chick Fil A if you get a little packet of honey and put it on the the, the chicken breast there. I think you'll be in a better place. Maybe if my Wendy's ain't doing it right, but wow, um, I don't. It was okay, but it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't all the hype I thought hmm. was going to happen. I also ordered a frosty chino, which which how did you like that? The picture looks amazing, right? Mm-hmm. It's watered down coffee with like some melt, half melted frosty in it, so that wasn't that wasn't great either. So I didn't have wow. a great experience. That's what I, basically what I'm saying here. Yeah, <laughs> let's just, let's just let's just finally admit that everyone's breakfast besides Bojangles is just a hot garbage dump dumpster fire. It's, I'm, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think I would rather have the Wendy's than I would Bojangles. I know. I know it's weird. Maybe that's just me. Wow. Weird. So just just to be clear, I've had since I stopped. So I'm <laughs> back on the carbs. I've had Bojangles twice. Okay. In the last week, and nothing. No other fast food at all. So. <laughs> <that's> just, <laughs> you dialed that. into the Bojangles. That's my place. Yeah. Yeah. Mojo, how you be doing? Speaking of biscuits, <clears throat> you know what burns mine Come on. is people riding around in cars. Riding their bicycles, their mopeds in open air with mask on. That's what burns my biscuits. It is. I saw a guy jogging today in downtown Salisbury, getting it with a mask on. Not not like some like you no know, the training mask, but one of those paper masks. It just it drives me nuts. I, uh, we're we're all doomed. So a guy was was running, getting his exercise mm-hmm. in. Picking them up and putting them down with a with a paper mask on and with paper mask and thought on. he was he was saving the world. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I, I'm not sure what the science and data uh-huh. is right now with you know because it changes about every other day with the CDC. But does Rona linger in the air like in a hundred square mile radius after someone's cough? Well, how far? How much farther years? are you exhaling when you're running? That's my question. Yeah. So is it like? How about the people in the car? Exponential. Well, the car. If you're with another person. No, no, I'm talking isolated. Yeah, isolated so. your own car. That's weird. I mean, I, as soon as I mean, I wear a mask when I go in public. But if I get back back in the car, 
Usually when the parking lot, it comes off. Yeah. I bet, I bet these are the same people that stand outside for, for Black Friday Midnight Madness and punch people over a vacuum cleaner. These have got to be the same people. What kind of vacuum cleaner? Oh, yeah, that depends. <laughs> well, yeah. The only thing that I think makes sense is if you're going to the grocery and you know you have your mask on, you get back in the car and you don't want to touch it. That's the only thing that makes sense. So you're just like, well, I'll just wait till I get home so I can – you know, take it off and then wash you know my what? hands. That's you're, showing a little, you're showing a little bit too much grace and compassion here. I know. Trust me, these I, people didn't go anywhere. I get it. But to their car. I get it. And then they hop in it. They're probably listening to their, you know, 99.9 whatever station. And they're just <laughs> they're driving around. and They're going nowhere, but they have a mask on. It just don't. You think, yeah. So you think they're running listening to NPR? Is that what it is? Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, fre- probably fresh air with what's her name. You know, the... The, the sweaty balls. Uh, oh my girl, whatever her name is. This is yeah. a family show. Oh, also something else. Birds mm. with biscuits. And we'll get, we'll go to you. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> evidently, I, I didn't know this was science and data, but evidently, um, uh, I guess Corona, the vaccine for Corona is protesting because they they've made several announcements that um, you can protest. Sure. In public, right. inches apart, yep. and not spread Rona, but. You can't be beside anyone at a restaurant or church or the gym or whatever, you know, wherever you play, plan to go. But evidently, we should probably just protest, you know, 365 because we won't get Corona then. Well, that so. would that would fall into the camp of common sense. And as we say on the show, common sense now is a superpower. Uh, doesn't right, quite make right. sense to do that. But um, evidently, as you as you said, that that is the vaccination is the protest. Uh, but. Again, you're kind of out there huffing and puffing, so that six foot rule kind of goes bye bye anyway. Right, so, right. How you be doing, Biggie? I'm exhausted. I listen. I realize that I am not the Hulk because I was so angry at the technology today that I wanted to rip my laptop in half and just call it quits. Um, it's been it's been a rough couple nights. A small batch has decided she wants to teeth. At uh, mm. two, three, four, five, and six in the morning, uh, so we are doing everything we can. It is a handle, and if you guys aren't familiar, I've got a ten-month-old that um, decides she she likes to party way too late. Um, teeth are coming in from the top. Yeah, it looks cute, but hey, buddy, it is it is a disaster. So I'm exhausted. Um, uh, the my mom, uh, sorry, the. Um, my wife and her uh, aunt and small batch are all going away for the weekend, so I'm going to have six days of just unadulterated sleep. So I, as soon as this thing's over, I'm just going to bed. I'm exhausted. <laughs> That's how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, so, um, well, guys, we've got next week, this weekend, uh, when this show plays, it will already have happened, uh, Father's Day. Um, you got any plans? What are you guys doing for Father's Day? I just found out it was Father's Day this weekend. You, I tell uh, you, uh, I need you to look at that your Google Calendar a little bit more than you do. I love you, but come on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very good with calendars. I'm Clearly not very organized. <laughs> I understand so, yeah. that 100. <laughs> percent I have I have sticky notes in my office. That's how my calendar. I'm, I'm old school. Oh, so. you you need an updated thing. I've got to get you updated on that. I think we're all going to Brian's house for biscuits <laughs> or for brisket. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to be uh, heading for vacation in uh, on Saturday. So I'll be up in the mountains on Father's Day. And today, th- for myself and my dad will be up there, I bought a 15-pound brisket. What? So I'll be uh, working on that all day on uh, Father's Day. Does that does that make you happy? Yes. A 15-pound brisket? Yes. 50, well, any, any brisket, a whole brisket, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a terrible price, so um, yeah, that's that's what I'll be doing on Father's Day. Is any- cooking meat and then eating it, and then eating it the next day, and the next day, right. and the next day. Are you bringing it to any of our houses? Doing a drop off? It won't make it that long. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, sorry guys. So in, next time in the fight for equality, uh, how many think that they're going to have a Father's Day just as good as we gave it out for Mother's Day? Show of hands. It won't happen. Well, you're assuming we Absolutely. did a good job for Mother's Day. <laughs> well, they're going to do a better job than – they're going to get more than we are. But but should should Father's Day not be just as good as Mother's Day? I think it, I, I think it should, but it never is. It never I mean, is, right? I mean, everyone loves mom, Uh-oh. right? I mean I – think, I think my wife's in the other room. Shh. Oh. <laughs> But it never is. Like we, I mean, moms get the cards, they get the calls, they get the flowers, they get the 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 thing. All the and let's be honest, the only thing that we really want is just to leave us alone for like a, an afternoon. Just just leave us alone, right? Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll Brisket. Probably making excuses to come to work. So. <laughs> just to be alone. <laughs> just to be alone. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, also, too, to celebrate, it's going to be our four-year anniversary coming up. So, Mojo, we kicked this thing off four years ago. Uh, when this episode airs, it will be four years ago today. Wow. Can you believe That's, it? You've put up with me for four years. Well, it, it's not clearly due to your Google Calendar. I know that much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's my, char- my charming personality and winning <laughs> smile. Well, we did say that it is a special ODV episode. So, um uh, Mojo, can you kind of kick us off a little bit of how this this thing started, and um, you had a connection with Tintu uh, and started a dialogue with him about some some help, and then we have got um, we've got a plethora of people. So we want to say, um, Mr. Reed is a, uh, a, a military vet. We have. Um, we have some other businesses that have helped out, including yourselves. So we want to give everybody a shout out and uh, talk to them. So um, just tell us a little bit of the backstory of how this started. Well, first off, I saw the Donna message just everyone's names. And, I got you. Uh, oh, man, if we thought Tintu's name, Paramizwar, was hard enough to say, we got all these other names too. So Mr. Reed is the only one. That's the only one we got. <laughs> So we'll bring him in and let them, I don't want to butcher the name. So, um, but yeah, so Tintu, we met Tintu and Donna, I guess through what, uh, Uncle Leon? Uncle Leon, I think so. Yep. Okay. So, um, anyway, Operation Decisive Victory, uh, OperationDB.com, we uh, we met this lovely couple and just very awe-inspiring. Um, Tintu uh, spent, what, over 15 years in the military, um, you know, just served valiantly in intelligence field um, and his story is on one of our previous episodes. I can't remember what number that is now. Um, but anyway, uh, seeing the gaps in the VA and uh, just the government dropping the ball with our, our military who has served and dedicated a period of time to um, 
to us, the, the country, um, Operation De- Decisive Victory, in their own personal struggle, decide, they decided to start this foundation to um, basically bridge the gap. And that's where Tintu and Donna, his wife, uh, started this foundation with other people to uh, be that that stopgap between you know the, the system and then whatever. So uh, I guess a few weeks ago, um, Tintu actually came up. We did a Facebook Live. We you know we donated some money. I think the show donated some money and just sharing the story that we we're uh, the current cause was for Mr. Reed and um, just where the VA. I mean. I don't want to speak for Operation Decisive Victory, so I'll keep my words close to my chest. But um, just those a, a lapse in a lapse in you know a safety net. So that's basically where we're at here now. And um, Mr. Reed has agreed to join us to share his story and obviously show some show a success story with what Tintu does. And so I guess I'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, and I've been practicing while you've been speaking. So Arnold Morner. Uh, you are from Arnold's Pressure Washing? Correct. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fantastic. And Lee Provancher. Is that, did I do that right? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you were to grade me, is that like a C, B, B minus? B minus. All right. Fantastic. That <laughs> sounds a lot like my entire high school career. Uh, and you are from Groundbreaking, Groundbreakers Grading and Hauling company. So um, appreciate you guys joining us. So let's kind of start with the businesses. Um, and and I see here that um, Lee, you uh, were, your service was the uh, USMC. What, and that was the branch of service that you were in? Right. And how long were you in service for? Four years. Four years. Um, and, and so you get out and you start, um, the, the groundbreakers grading and hauling, which by the way, I might need you cause I've got some uh, grading that I need done. Uh, what motivates you to help the veterans? Is it because you were a former vet? That and just seeing how badly they're treated in this country that they serve. It's, uh, it just shouldn't happen. And I feel very strongly that we as a country and former vets need to help our vets that are struggling. Hmm. Is there that sense of community that you had while you're in the military that's bled over to just even your personal uh, business as well? It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What are some struggles that maybe you've seen personally that that's been frustrating uh, some stop gaps from, uh, from your point of view? Just seeing, just seeing them out on the streets, um, bad weather, heat, you know, they, they need to be taken care of it. And every little bit that we can help, you know, would help them greatly. Yeah. What, um, can you tell us a little bit about your company and what exactly you guys do? Uh, we do demolition, land clearing, grading, hauling, uh, residential and commercial work in North and South Carolina. Oh, wow. Um, and how do people get in contact with you if they, if they have any of that that they need? Uh, Facebook. Uh, we got a website, but mostly a lot of our, uh, a lot of our people get up with this through Facebook. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, 
let's go to Arnold because you're you're a small business owner. You are you didn't serve in the military, but you still also have a heart and a passion for vets too. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, my my dad's a Marine, and uh, I too wanted to be a Marine, but I was turned down due to physical reasons that I I was not aware of. Um, oh wow! But that's okay. Uh, but absolutely, anytime that I see a a veteran in need, I feel that, you know, that could be me, you know, mm-hmm. um, that could be anybody. I mean, um, in certain situations, circumstances or whatnot. So I feel that it's, it, it's very important that, you know, we should all just keep a lookout, you know, keep our eyes open, ears open, you know, just at all times, um, just for situations like that, that you could possibly be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, being a small business, do you guys get constantly inundated with, hey, help us with this, donate this, that kind of stuff? Because I know Uncle Leon has said that multiple <laughs> times where he just – it's just over, almost overwhelming. And you kind of got to pick and choose, uh, no pun intended, your battles of which one you're going to, to give to. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, we you, you get phone calls constantly, um, daily from all types of different organizations and, and you really don't know exactly where they're coming from. Um, so basically what, what I'll do is, um, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I, I wouldn't be anywhere, toot, toot. but, <laughs> um, basically the way that I donate is, um, at the end of every day, whatever I made on 10%, <clears throat> um, I'll take 10% of my gross earnings that day and I'll just try to, find a mom, you know, and, hmm. and uh, dollar general that's yeah, cussing at her kids. Cause you know, they want every piece of candy. And yeah, <laughs> so I'll just go, go over there and just kind of help out, you know, just give her whatever. And, and the same with veterans, you know, same with any, basically anyone that I may see out about, um, you know, especially Salisbury, uh, you know how it is in Salisbury, you know, it's, you're going to get hit up. You know, every time. So, I, long story short, I'll try to give <laughs> give to someone on the street before I'll give to any organization. Basically, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Maybe, and you and you do pressure washing. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Yep. And then it's Arnold's pressure washing. How do people get in contact with you if they need pressure washing? Uh, mainly, again, like we said on Facebook. Uh, you can go to Arnold's Pressure Washing on Facebook, and uh, yeah, you'll see. I'm on there. I annoy people daily. <laughs> I'm all over Facebook. So. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so how did how did this intent to maybe you can ask like how did the partnership between you, Lee, and Arnold? How did that happen? And Brandon, by the way. So Brandon also gave to the as well with this story from Mister Reed. Uh, well- I guess the, the partnership is that that community connection we talk about. Um, you know, we've, we've been working with Mr. Lee and Arnold uh, well over probably two years now uh, as far as fundraising efforts go, you know, helping out local veterans go. Uh, so it's really about that, that networking again, letting people know that we exist. Uh, and I know, you know, you had asked earlier about being hit up about donations and, and fundraising. Uh, one, of, one of the big things that ODV constantly tries to promote and encourage our community to understand is, you know, for us, for us ODV, it's not always about money. Will money help? Yes, great. But if we have a service that we can use to help a family out, that's really equivalent to money. Um, 
So in Arnold's case, you know, where we have an older veteran couple that may be in some trouble because they can't afford to wash their driver or their house and they're getting hit up by their HOA or whatever it may be, that's where we would reach out and say, hey, Arnie, you know, would you be able to help us out with this family? And he could. Uh, and Mr. Lee's case, the same thing, you know, hey, Mr. Lee, you know, we have this veteran that needs some assistance. You know, you have a professional skill that, you know, he currently cannot afford. Would you be willing to help out in that sense? So the assistance that we provide is never always about money, though money would help. And that's really how these connections came about. You know, at the end of the day, being a veteran or a supporter of a veteran community, you guys will always have something you can contribute that a veteran somewhere somehow can utilize. Uh, and that's really where this relationship started with us. And that was just, again, local uh, small business in Salisbury? Well, I believe um, Arnold's out of Salisbury and Mr. Lee's out of uh, Mount Pleasant. Okay. Um, so, Tentu, can you give us like a brief overview of, and I don't want to steal Mr. Reed's spotlight, but how did you get connected with Mr. Reed? And then how has his story, uh, Lee and uh, Arnold, if you guys can tell us, how did how did his story and the impact that ODV had change your all's, your, your experiences or uh, your life, if, if you could say that? Uh, well, in Mr. Reed's case, you know, he was, uh, he was one of those veterans that unfortunately fall on hard times, like many that, that we come across. Um, but in his case, he came to a realization that he had a problem. To resolve that problem, he approached uh, the local VA. Um, they had admitted him into a local program to, to assist him with that uh, recovery. Uh, unfortunately, at the end of his program, they shook his hand and said, thank you for your service and uh, you're, you're good to go, go about your day and, and life um, wow. without taking the proactive measure of, hey, you know, you came in here uh, at risk or homeless. Before we put you back out there, let's connect you to community resources or e- even within our own organization. Uh, and in Mr. Reed's case, you know, one of the one of the things that the VA did do was provide him a list of resources that he could contact shelters and, and halfway homes. Uh, but again, with, with the current situation, the way it is, uh, most of those places are either full or they're not accepting because of our, our current climate of, of COVID. Um, and from there, you know, Mr. Reed went back to what he was familiar with, which is surviving on the streets, um, especially as a Marine. You know, failure is not an option for us. It doesn't matter where you put us. Uh, we will bounce back and we will survive. Uh, and I guess that mindset kicked in for him. Uh, and, and he went right back to, to doing what, what he was familiar with doing. Um, until, until he met, uh, or until Arnold met Mr. Reed. Well, and Mr. Arnold, Ms., uh, Mr. Lee, how did the story of Mr. Reed, how has that impacted you guys? And we'll go to Lee first. Um, I just happened to come over and uh, see Tintu one day and he told me about Mr. Reed and uh, showed me a few pictures. And, you know, with it being so close to home, you know, I was, uh, it really um, touched me pretty good because it was so close to the area where I live and we do our shopping in Salisbury. And, you know, I, I really honestly never, it never crossed my mind that there'd be, homeless vet here in little old Salisbury. But mm. sure enough, there, there was, and there's, there's probably a lot more that we don't know about. And I just wanted to do something to help. Awesome. 
Mr. Mr. Arnold, how did that how did that impact you? Uh, greatly. Um, you know, I guess for some time, I guess there was probably a two or three year span that I just kind of got tired of dealing with people who hit me up at Taco Bell in the parking lot. And I just kind of, you know, I used to give all the time, but I just kind of got into a routine where I was like, you know what, just get away from me. And, and uh, you know, I, I had an opportunity to to uh, pressure wash Tensu's house and uh, he just kind of ran it by me again. Hey, if you see anyone out, you know, so it, uh, it, 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 it affected me greatly, like I said, because, um, I was able to reach out and, um, it just, I don't know. I just feel great. I mean, I didn't do much, but make a phone call, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, I, I feel great. About it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Sure. But yeah. And I don't yeah. want to minimize and and I don't. Uh, it's it's a rarity that I get to interview Mojo. So, as a as a business owner, uh, I mean, you kind of also stepped in blue collar cycle shop. Well, I'm not. I, what we did was a very small part, so I'm not gonna I'm not going to take any credit for that because um, we try to preach. Um, you know, we try to pre- we try to preach um, treat people that you the way you want to be treated. You know, um, like I talked about on the show before. You know, what would Jesus do? He would love first. And sometimes love is monetary. Sometimes love is helping someone. Sometimes it's listening to someone. And um, you know, all I can do is use like our shop as a platform and um, tend to and his organization or. Very, sit very close to heart just because here in Salisbury we have the VA right down the road um, it's pro- I don't know how in, in comparison to North Carolina I'm not sure how large it is but I know a lot of people a lot of vets get shipped here and um, we get to see the the result of some of the failed policies of, of the VA and we have a enormous homeless population here in Salisbury um, and, and, and a lot of those are vets and vet families and um, there's really there's really nothing out there to help. So, and just like um, just like he said, I I'm not a very big fan of like donating to huge organizations like you know the, the national ones, the ones that have the telethons back in the day, and um, you see the the fancy flyers and they do the the 5K runs. I, I don't donate to those because their overhead is so exhaustive that you know very little of the contributions go back to the the actual ground you know so you know tend to was it 97 percent i think so it's, it's in the high 90s of every donation goes directly to the cause versus the opposite and that's the reason why you know if anything we do in the future when we do with operation dv i know every dollar that we put our name behind we try to raise goes directly to you know, the vets need help. So. All right, let's go to the star of the show, Mr. Reed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, man. That's you. Hey, God bless you guys, man. Oh, man. I, God bless you. Thank you again for your service. I'm not supposed to say that, Tintu said, but, you know, I'll, I was going to say it anyway. How, tell us your story. Well, uh, it's quite simple. First, I want to thank y'all for y'all service. And uh, Mr. Mojo, you contributed greatly more than what you think. 
Mr. Lee, Mr. Permeswar. And as far as you guys even hearing this on uh, the things called a podcast, God bless you and thank y'all, man, because it helps from the bottom of my heart. It touches me. Um, I came out here March 11th, and I was in the, I can't remember the name of the, the VA hospital, Hefner, William Hefner in Salisbury. And uh, I stayed there from March 11th to April the 3rd. And as Mr. Paramount would say, and I'm not down in the VA or nothing like that or the government or nothing, but sometimes they don't help or they selective on who they help. Not call it racism because I came from being an alcoholic. And right when I got in there, then the virus hit and they weren't accepting no one into a program. But then they let two guys go into a program that were like drug addicts or whatever their drug was. And God bless their heart as well. So after 23 days, they told me, so, okay, you could just go out now and you could do it yourself. And they knew I had nowhere to go. And my doctor took me off work like 15 years ago when I was 40. Without structuring life with nothing to do, I'm not going to do nothing but drink. So I, I went behind this church and the windows broke. I slept right there. And later, I met this gentleman like 1.20 in the morning. Mr. Arnold did way more than what you think, bro. Can I say that? Yeah, it's man. like 1.20 in the morning, bro. He ain't got no reason to talk to me whatsoever. No race or color, number but 1.20 in the morning. Not saying you're not going to trust nobody. You're going to do what you do at the store. You're going to get in your car and leave. And he comes up to me. And he asked me if I'm okay. He's trying to give me some money. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I got money. He's like, nah, take this. And he gave me $5. And he kept talking. All of a sudden, he was like, no, wait a minute. Give me that 5 back. He's like, here, go take this 20 I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm okay. He's like, no, nah, take it. I don't know and why then, I just didn't give you both. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you, gave, you, gave, you, you gave me love out your heart, bro, from the beginning. And then, Those are a really bad negotiator. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was all in, in God's blessing because, see, behind that church, I'm like this, like Mr. Paramesh will say. I came out here to the VA. I came with them with a backpack and a sleeping bag. Because no matter what it's like being in the military, if you're out there in the desert, in the woods, or wherever you're at, bro, you got to survive. So wherever I go at night, I try not to be seen by that many people. And when I'm there, I'm not going to get up and move. For some reason that night, I felt uncomfortable. I said, I'm going to go sit at the gas station, charge my phone, listen to music, wait for the sun to get up. Because I kept seeing this one car that shouldn't have been there. I've been behind it. I've been behind that store since I got out. I can't remember when I met Mr. Arnold. But it's like 1.20 in the morning. And he came to my attention. And he came in. He's the one that initiated the conversation. And before yeah. he finished, he was like, you know what? I know this other guy. He's a Marine. He like, I pressure watch. I say, I'm going to give him a call. I said, I'm something like, bro, it's like one twenty in the morning. He like, nah. He say, this dude is cool. He told me if I need him anytime, call him. He told me if I see another vet. And that's what started in Mr. Arnold, which led to Mr. Paramesquare. And he put me in, uh, he came and got me. He asked to take a couple pictures. I ain't got no shame. This is how I'm living. And then after that, he took me to the Connor Lodge. I believe his company put up like four days. And he told me, Mr. Lee and some other sponsors, I believe Mr. Mojo or something like that. They had me there for like 10 days. And then Mr. Paramesquare went even further, which I thank God for all of y'all. He went further. He was more with Volunteers of America. I heard about him before, but not to the extent. And they put me over into the Comfort Inn and Suite. And I'm going through the process trying to get an apartment. I, I got lists. I should have brought it where I could show y'all visually, not just saying it. But uh, I'm calling these places. And it's not just the, the virus. The virus got a lot of effect on it. A lot of them just got no availability. Some got like apartments, they like for one bedroom is like two, two and a half year waiting list. 
a two bedroom is like a year and a half. A three bedroom is like six months, nine months, one bedroom. So if there's no availability, wow. you got a waiting list. And in California, I was born in San Missouri, but I came from California. What you have primarily like in California with a job, you have to make like twice the amount of the rent. Out here in North Carolina, you have to have three times the rent. Okay. So I get, oh, wow. I get 800 from the VA, 800 from Social Security, but I've been paying two child supports for like 22 years. So half of the 814 from child support, it goes 407 to the state. I get 407. So if you got a place that costs $600, I got to have 1800 to even apply for the application, which wow. after, after four is gone, I got 12. But there's other criteria because with the VOA, not to bash them to get an apartment and I can't afford it. I have to have a roommate. Now the leasing company will get one lease, but the VOA wants you to have two separate leases so that they can put in for whatever their donation or whoever is giving them money to show for both people. So within that, I'm going to close right here and say, because of Mr. Arnold, God touching blessings are using him with the connection he made with Mr. Paramesswar through business, with the connection Mr. Lee through business, and Mr. Mojo through all of y'all. I sit here before y'all thanking y'all. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> so much red tape tend to. I, I don't understand why so much. Well, I, I, I try to explain it to everybody as simply as possible as, you know, it, it was designed that way. When you, when you build a, a structure or formulate a business and it was designed to be restrictive, we can't be upset about it. You know, we can't, we can't say go fix it. You can't fix something that was built that way. Um, mm. it's, it's in design. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've talked about it quite a bit. We can sit here and, complain about a system that was designed to be the way it is, or we can take that matter into our own hands and say, you know, as a community, we can come together, local businesses, local influencers, you know, and reaching out to local veterans. And even when it's not money, it can be services. And again, in, in Mr. Arnold's case here, you know, just the fact of knowing that there's an organization like us, he just didn't walk past this veteran and said, he said, you know what, I got somebody, I'm going to pick up this phone and call. Um, well, through that, we make that difference. You know, the, the red tape no longer matters to us. Yeah. It doesn't matter to us how long it's going to take the VA to come around to help Mr. Reed as long as we can get him in that meantime back on his feet and connected to the resources that are already out there to help him. Right. Again, no purpose in reinventing the wheel, but it's about bridging that gap and connecting our veterans to those resources that already exist. The reality is nobody's out there uh, walking down the street going, are you a veteran? Do you need help? Are you a veteran? Do you need help? So that's where we have to take that initiative. And when we have those vets that need the help, we connect them to those resources. And again, we hold we hold that relationship with the resources in a form of accountability uh, in aiding them in any way they can. Um, like Mr. Reed said, you know, VOA gave him a list of places to go find. And it's on the veterans, uh, you know, burden to go and find these places. They'll help you establish your residency and everything. Uh, however, the income part is, a, is another concern about establishing housing here. Um, in Mr. Reed's case, you know, he needed some paperwork that, that was way back in California that he needed to get here. Uh, those are steps that, unfortunately, an organization like VOA, whose specific goal is housing, will not take care of. Uh, but Mr. Reed picked up the phone and said, hey, man, I, I got this problem. I need this paperwork and I don't have it. It's in a storage unit somewhere in California. And, and you know, I don't even know who to send over there. Uh, but we were able to make the connects. You know, we were able to call the right people out there. Uh, take that 10, 20 minutes out of the day to make that liaison to get the documents for him. So now that's one step closer to him 
getting his suitable housing for himself. Um, and even in his case, the income component, you know, we're like, listen, there's, there's always a negotiating point. Uh, when you come across those renters or leasing agencies uh, that are requiring a specific income, you know, let us talk to them, let us reach out and explain to them your circumstance. Um, coming from a third party organization, a lot of times other organizations are, are keen on taking that word and say, okay, we understand the situation. Let's work with him. Yeah the vet trying to uh, establish for himself but yeah you know the, the red table always exists there's nothing we can do about removing that other than taking you know ownership of what's happening to our own and doing what we do for our own yeah yeah, yeah. well said Mr. well said <laughs> well done it's like well it's said. like he's done this before once yeah. or twice right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, i don't i don't i don't know if uh you have a law degree but the next time i get a speeding ticket i think i'm gonna have you present my case before me you know for the judge so you do an excellent presentation but we you know i know, like i said i love this country i i love being an american but we we do have problems and like tintu says you know we're this system is set up to set up to not fail but set up to just have hurdles i mean like yeah we've talked about before the average american commits seven felonies a day when they leave their house just laws are written upon laws the same thing with the va the va has so much structure uh so many gaps where it's just hard it's hard to make these hurdles we don't realize that you know and um until you get it until you get into the system i'm not, I'm not a vet but every vet i talk to uh the same thing happens you know waiting list to Waiting at the the hospital to you know they need a service dog. Well, it may be five years before they get a service dog. I mean, there's just so much. And, and what I love yeah. about this and taking this mission of community, we can do better than the government. We can Absolutely. do it probably ten times cheaper, a hell of a lot faster, with connections that we can do in the community. So this podcast is you know obviously to share Mr. Reed's story to highlight these local business owners, Operation Decisive Victory. But anyone listening in the, in the the greater community that listens to the Southern Fried Philosophy podcast, we encourage you to do the same, yep. to to go out. There's homeless vets. There's vets in need everywhere. Um, not just, you know, regular Joe Blow that walking down the street, but there's people out there that we encourage you to to be your brother's keeper. And to, to you know, if you've been blessed, bless someone else. It takes five minutes a day and you can make, you can change someone's life. And plus, I'll be honest with you, Helping becomes addictive. You get a dopamine high every time you help someone. And it's it can become selfish. You can enjoy helping someone. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure Mr. Reed will pay pay this forward in his life and and give back in, in tremendous ways that these guys could never ask to be repaid for. I mean, I'm sure he'll help his fellow man by helping whoever he can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Guaranteed. And the great thing about ODV is you don't care where the vet is at. You'll you'll help across the country. So if you if if you are you know living um, in Kentucky, you know you can give money to ODV, and ODV will will help anybody that they can, and potentially somebody in Kentucky. So um, yeah, make sure if you have uh, some extra bucks and you want to throw to their way, I would much rather you give to ODV than, than the SFP. So um, please, please make sure you, that if you have a, a charity that you want to give to, these guys are it. Um, Mr. Reed, what, what are some of the, the lessons that you've learned through this experience with ODV? 
Well, uh, I heard somebody use an expression earlier, don't want to toot nobody horn. I'm going to be honest, I'm going to toot the horns I learned from the ODV is a community comes together for one. You got me? Now, I also got to give my head and just take it off if I had one to Mr. Parameswar because this gentleman, I'm in, I'm in not to disclose where I'm at, but I'm, I'm where I'm seeing a lot of things that reflect his career in the military. And I'm talking about this gentleman's highly decorated. And when you come home and the government don't help you and you ain't got nowhere to go and you say, you know what? Well, right now, well, damn it, I'm going to go to myself, all balls to the wall. I'm going to look out for myself, self-preservation, which people learn as kids or whatever in life. Instead, this gentleman, him and his wife, thank God for his will. They come together, collect and say, okay, what can I do? Not just to me, but to make a difference because the infrastructure and the structure is broken down. Whether it's selective choice, who they pick and choose to help. He started an organization just not to benefit from, but to help other veterans. So it's a, it's a lot that I've learned and things I've learned as well as uh, being from like growing up with my parents. But see, with Operation Decipher Victory is doing like this, man, they're reaching out within the community. And if I'm sure if he had a chance, he'd be trying to do it worldwide if he could. Sure. And when you open your heart, you open the door to give and give his love. This world, and I'm not going to go into politics or what I see on the Come TV on. the news, but let me tell you something, brother. We had a great place in our lives in this day and time and point and moment. This world need love, just like Mr. Mojo was speaking about. When you give, what you call it, a dopamine high? <laughs> Bro, that touches. And from that giving, you keep giving, it goes forward. I've already given since meeting Mr. Paramesuar, but I'm going to continue to give because it's only right, man. It's only right to give. So the lesson I say that I've learned is, one, don't give up and press on. Two, if you look for resources, they're out there. You got me? Three. Absolutely. Three, always be thankful and grateful because help, it's not going to come from everybody. If the government don't help you and you was in the government, you could just about say and guarantee ain't too many more people going to help you. You follow me? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Reed, I think I'm going to uh, well, hire you as a voice. Right. Anytime I need, anytime I need to uh, uh, send a sexy message to my wife, I'm gonna text it to you. You do an audio audio recording. I think I would get my way. Nah, I think I'd be fired, and you'd probably be on the verge of divorce. <laughs> she might be. She might be uh, replacing Mojo. How about it? Yep. Nah, I would be fired from him and he'd be on the verge of divorce, bro. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying that against sex or nothing, but I ain't been with a woman in like 14 years, bro. And not to say not to say a woman with a conflict of interest, but to my perspective, most women I meet, they want the same thing. I want some money. You know what I mean? <laughs> so before I give a woman money, I give it to another homeless person or a veteran. I can't go by a bus stop and see a homeless woman on a bus stop bench. Like my mama aged in her 80s. I don't care what nationality. I got to go to the ATM and give them some of my money while I'm still on the streets. And when I give, God going to give back to me. And my blessings have come from God through these gentlemen, this whole ring that you see on your podcast. I love it, man. I thank God for y'all. Y'all made my day. <laughs> for well, real. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm in the same boat as you, but I've been married for 15 years. So it's pretty, pretty close. Pretty close. Are you blessed. <laughs> <laughs> what that gentleman up to my far left? He the one with the beard. Why are you laughing? How long you been married? <laughs> I've been married for nine years, but, uh, you blessed. Biggin likes to joke about his honeymoon. So 
Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. every day. Oh, Lord, no. No, sir. Uh, <laughs> Again, I'm pretty close to, to where you're at as well. Oh, go there. I've been married for 24 years. Uh, my wife and I, we've started counting ours in dog years. So I think it's like 168 years. That a boy. That a boy. Hey, I want to uh, compliment and congratulations to all of y'all that's married for real. I was married before, but that has nothing to do with my situation really but sir you've been married 24 man i can't remember what they call 25 but i want to congratulate you on that 25th before it come because you've been married that long oh you ain't getting rid of her that's love bro that's love she'll probably, nah, kill, me. Bro. She'll probably kill me before the 20th nah, she loves you too much for that <laughs> that's love no doubt that's what the mr world reed is. what's what's the hopes for the future for you where where are we going uh, my whole goal was coming out here through the VA to try to build a foundation because without a foundation, you got nothing to build upon. So I want to get my life back structured, just like my pops was telling me before he passed. He want to get a piece of land and go on his own food so he know what he's eating because um, like the cowboy days, I was born in 64, like 69, early 70. There used to be a lot of farmers, you know what I mean? A lot of, you know, you had a lot of cattlemen, a lot of farmers where people were growing the food we're eating. Now I believe everything basically being grown by the government. They learned how to clone the first sheep probably over 30 years ago. Um, steroids, animals are bigger. I was in Tipton, Georgia some years ago and we went to a place called Brother Charlie's went to pick up. It's like a, like a goodwill. They went to pick up some clothes in the country and this dude has some chicken silos and he said he's going to take the chickens to the market to sell them. He said they were 33 days old. I said to myself, a chicken don't get big in 33 days. I never raised a chicken. I don't know, but I don't think it grow that fast in 32 days. No. So, so I'm saying to myself, like, what did he do to make the chicken that big? And it can't be nothing that's healthy. Because if that's the case, my daddy told me there's nothing new under the sun. They would have figured out how to make children, I mean, chickens big back in the cowboy days. Listen, they, they figured out how to make children big. I know that much. Well, yeah. we, got, we got to be careful. We got to be careful what people are getting because, like, I had a small heart attack. And uh, my doctor took my work like 15 years ago. I stopped working when I was 40, but I had a small heart attack like 11 years now. And uh, mm-hmm. the doctor, he said, uh, do you drink? I said, yeah. He said, how much you drink? I said, like two beers a day. He said, we well, keep drinking. Drinking ain't getting a heart attack. He said, you smoke? I said, yeah. So how much you smoke a day? I said, about six cigarettes a day. He said, well, you keep smoking. Smoking ain't getting a heart attack either. I said, what did he say? The food you was eating. Mm-hmm. The food. <laughs> yeah, we may need to get back to no more Wendy's. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't saying that. Enjoy, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the food you love eating. <laughs> sure, it's all in moderation, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, now, Mr. Lee, uh, to get back to you, you also helped Mr. Reed by collecting a bunch of uh, items and stuff that he needed. Was that correct? Yes. Are, are okay. you still collecting like that kind of stuff for for veterans, or specifically for Mr. Reed? Yeah, my wife. She's uh. She's borderline hoarder. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't I think they're yeah. all? I think they all are. And, uh, you know, she she's always going to the goodwill, thinking about you know, hey, let's get this. Somebody might need it, or you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So she she's always keeping her eyes open for um, clothes, anything that somebody can use. Okay. And if somebody wanted to, could they drop it off or get in contact with you if they have some donation things that they want to give to you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
and then we'll just bring it okay. all over all right. here. Well, Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. Um, tend to, what are some of the, um, uh, the red tape things that you had to overcome to help Mr. Reed? Well, pri- primarily it was trying to figure out how, how that break happened between the VA having custody of someone that was already at risk to them putting them out on the, you know, out, out, out of the program. Um, unfortunately you never get clear answers for that. Uh, there's always the, the politically correct responses you get for it. Well, you know, that's, that's not part of the treatment program or, you know, well, that wasn't part of the protocol because everything runs off protocol for them. Um, now I know we, we, you know, gave you the filtered version of Mr. Reed's day of leaving the VA hospital. Uh, one of the, one of the beautiful portions he left out is, you know, while he was sitting on the sidewalk, um, like he said, you know, someone was an alcoholic, went back into treatment, uh, who's left back to where they came from. Naturally, they're going to revert back to what they were comfortable with, which was drinking. Uh, the gentleman thought, you know, I got nowhere to go, nothing better to do. So I'm going to have myself a drink. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, here, here come the VA, VA federal police. And they started, I believe it was four different tickets, right? Three that we have on hand right now. Four, four different tickets. They, they, they cited four tickets uh, the day he was in this program. Uh, you know, so it was it was those those red tapes right there. You know, how, how do you expect someone who just walked out of the VA to resolve four citations you issued on VA property? Um, again, the VA property concept, you know, people find it hard to understand, but Federal property, you know, they own 30, 30 feet into the road, all four directions of their property. Uh, so it, it was a city sidewalk he was on, but by technicality, it belongs to the federal government. Uh, so, so you were you were drinking oh, wow. on federal property or whatever it is, you know, container on federal land. Um, but th- those those barriers, you know, they it's it's never an easy step to break away from. Where he went and got himself help. If the next step in resources was available to him, uh, he wouldn't have ended up with tickets. Instead, he would have probably been making phone calls, working with a social worker, trying to get established, or working with a financial worker, trying to get his finances in order. Um, again, what, one of the things I'd like to emphasize to you, gentlemen, is that Mr. Reed is not someone with $0 monthly. He does have an income that comes from his service that he served for, for you know, DOD. Um, however, like he explained, for someone, once they fall into that cycle of homelessness, getting out of it is extremely difficult. Someone at his age or his disabilities, you're not employed to have three times the income saved away or, or you know, three times the income coming in on a monthly basis for him to get himself a home and recover. Uh, that's where organizations like ours and Volunteers of America step in and, and help bridge that portion of it, saying, okay, let's find you a place, let's get you set up and started, because once that's established, you can go ahead and self-maintain it and care for yourself. So those barriers, you know, where one resource is there, but the next one is not, there's a huge gap. It's like trying to leap over stones, uh, but those stones are set extremely far apart. Um, even today, what Mr. Reed's situation is, is trying to get a place that would allow him to, you know, be exempt from that income requirement. If that is forever the requirement out there, to wave it, that individual like Mr. Reed might as well go right back to the street because it is not a recoverable situation. Uh, and, 
you know, again, the, the barriers. I know that. Another one is that we come across is the response time uh, where Arnold had notified me. I believe he called me at 1 a.m. I was knocked out uh, around 4.30 in the morning. He had messaged me. I saw it. I reached out to, hey, what's going on? He explained me to the situation. Uh, 4.30 a.m., he had him and I had conversed about it. 4.30 p.m., uh, we had Mr. Reed off the street in a hotel. So the response time is a lot faster for us. We are able to respond knowing that the VA, the <clears throat> HUD-VASH systems, or other housing authority assistance programs out there take time to respond. It'll take a day or two or three days for them to respond. Um, as Mr. Reed mentioned earlier, we housed him uh, for four days, which is about the standard that ODB can, can house financially. Um, but quickly we realized the organizations we were trying to pull together to help us carry him forward were going to be longer uh, in delay in their response time. Uh, and that's where Blue Collar and, and SFP and Mr. Lee and everybody stepped in and, and helped us because we ended up having to house him for about 11 days. Um, and from there, the next organization came in and took over. But again, the next organization takes over, uh, they have protocols as well. So here's another barrier where that organization is willing to start Mr. Reed established in his housing with his utilities and everything, but the burden is on Mr. Reed to go find this place. Now we're talking about a gentleman who just came out of a homeless situation who has no private transportation. Uh, of course, knowing where we are currently, you know, public transportation is very limited. Um, and of course, income being limited, the amount of money he would spend trying to commute to different homes and properties becomes difficult as well. Um, so that's, that's another barrier there. You know, then again, when these documents and other elements need to be pulled together, the commute to get to these locations, it's never the location coming to you or the organization coming to you. In ODV's case, we're, we're blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. You know, we're able to commute to our resources or to our veterans that need the resources, um, or even digitally reach out. Um, cause again, for us, one of the reasons, as, as you had mentioned, Big, and you know, the reason ODV doesn't have or is able to help uh, nationally is because we don't believe in a geo boundary uh, with today's technology. It's, it's not necessary. But the reality of it is people like Mr. Reed will always face a barrier one or the other if we don't have multiple elements of resources that come in to block those barriers and move them out of the way. Um, and that's that's the unfortunate reality. You know, it, it's never a one-stop shop solution, uh, like a lot of these organizations who expect them to say, hey, we build a house for a veteran, that's it. But what about getting the utilities established for that? Oh, well, we pay for utilities, but we don't pay for rent. So why pay for his utility when he can't have a house anymore by next month? So it's, it's those elements where everyone needs to come together to remove those barriers. Barriers will always be there. That's, that's the unfortunate reality of this. Like we talked about, the red tape is exactly what that is. It's the barrier. Uh, everyone's got a boundary or a limit to what they're willing to do or what they're capable of doing. Uh, and as a private entity, when we have the support of communities and small business like you guys, we don't have those boundaries. Uh, as long as our board of directors gives us the green light, what we can do for our veterans is honestly limitless. Yeah. Well, tell me about PATH. What is PATH? So PATH is um, – it's an abbreviation for Peer Assisted Transition and Healing. Uh, one of the initiatives within ODV's programs, uh, it's part of our Homeless Prevention Initiative. Uh, what we were encompassing or, or designing in our minds, uh, we're taking stories like Mr. Reed, and you know we have other gentlemen that we're working with as well, who are on the street, 
um, you know, who are in those situations where we can remove them, house them for 90 days within our facility. Uh, it's a transition facility. Uh, we'll house them for 90 days, but within that facility, you have us, the ODB staff, that will help them file their benefits, you know, get them connected with local resources. Uh, we'll have the county veteran service officers working with us that would come out there and help them file their paperwork. We'll have, you know, the Social Security Administration, Department of Labor, because at the end of the day, when that veteran comes into our building and he walks out at that 90-day mark, the goal is to make sure he's able to self-sustain by having a roof over his head, by having food and clothing, by being financially stable, and being employed. Um, our, our concept in America of homelessness is one without a house. Uh, but we're forgetting he became without a house because of something else. He had to lost his job or he became substance dependent or he was financially you know, irresponsible. There's many reasons that led to him being without a house. If we classify a homeless person just as somebody that is without a house and you give every homeless person a house, you haven't solved the problem yet. Because they still might have that substance issue. They might have that financial responsibility. But with PATH being a one-stop facility, what we want to be able to do is take these veterans off the street, assess the whole concept of what happened. You know, if, is it a substance issue? Okay, we need to solve that before we put you in a house. Because otherwise you'll end up back in the same place you're at. You know, is it is it a physical issue? Then we need to get you the help you need for that. Or a mental health issue. We got to resolve those along with getting them you know, to, to being no longer homeless by giving them a home. But that is essentially what PATH is going to be. Uh, we are currently scouting facilities um, and our board is in active conversation with it right now. Um, we want to be able to have something midway between, you know, the, the Salisbury VA hospital and the Charlotte hospital as well. That way we can make sure our veterans get to those appointments. You know, they get the care and help they need. Um, one of the things we, we, decided or, or went into the design of the PATH facility, Pierce, the transition facility, is the idea that if I have this veteran, for example, Mr. Reed, who comes to me and I say, hey, you can live here for 90 days, um, but here's where you need to go to speak to the VA. Here, you got to go to speak to this guy. Then you need to go downtown to talk to the Social Security people. Then hike out 20 miles this way to go, you know, get a new pair of shoes. You, you can't, you're putting something unreasonable it's truly an unreasonable burden we're implementing on this veteran. So at the end of the day, we're really not resolving his problem. Uh, with ODB's PATH facility, we want to have a residential facility with their, you know, we want to have a dining facility where we provide them their food that encourages them to save their money. You know, we want to have counseling centers within the building. Uh, we want to have a pantry and a closet for veterans that choose to live on the street, come in and get some clean clothes, you know, come in and get some canned food. Uh, if that's your choice, then go ahead and be there. But you have a safe haven to come to. Uh, we're not we're not going to operate as a shelter, so to say, but more of a transition facility, um, because we believe that the more exposure we can give the veterans to resources that exist, like Mr. Reed said, there is help out there. It's just getting to that help. So if we can have that help in one place, and this veteran lives there, eats there, sleeps there, and all his resources are in one place. 90 days would be ideal for us to get him back on his feet or her back on their feet and moving forward to a progressive reintegration back into society. That's fantastic, man. I love the heart and, and the vision of that because, like you said, you, you address the substance, the mental health, um, and the physical. Um, and, and I'm sure the spiritual as well will be, be a part of that. That's fantastic. Guys, I've hogged the entire conversation. Do you guys have questions? I feel like... I've just taken over everything. 
No, I love the story. I don't, I don't have any questions, but I love the story. It's just good stuff. Well, I have a marketing idea for you, Tintu, so, which I, I'm full of great marketing ideas, if anyone <laughs> knows me. Um, so I have, a, uh, I have a music studio next door to me. They do R&B. So I'm, I'm going to have them recut Naughty by Nature's uh, OPP to ODV. That's great. As long as we can get, you know, any any copyright infringement waivers and the nonprofit, we can't we can't afford those big lawyers. You know, you guys got it. <laughs> oh, I like. I guess it. I might have to contact yes, the uh, yeah. appropriate sources. Yeah, that worked out so. great for Vanilla Ice, right? <laughs> yeah, gotta have that. Uh, hey, check this out. That's that's a good idea. What you got, Mister Mojo? And the OPP, yeah, you know me, yeah, naughty by nature. Check this out. Why don't Mr. you get them to construct you, you another track? Out. You hear me? Get them to construct you another track mm-hmm. and just lay some more lyrics to it, kind of on the guideline of that. But loop. Now, don't <laughs> don't loop with uh, you down with OPP. Don't loop dog. You down with OPP? It's a dude. Excuse me. It's a dude. Used to make people songs. I can't think of his name because my memory law. Uh, Will Will Weird Al Yankovic. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know y'all remember him, right? <laughs> that okay? Yeah, that yeah. dude makes yeah. songs. He made millions of dollars off songs like Michael Jackson made "Beat It." He made some like "Eat It," "Eat It." Yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, take that, take that, take his concept, take his concept, and put that ODV on track, man. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> uh, Brandon. Um, any questions for for you that you wanted to to bring? Um, I don't think they're appropriate for this podcast. Understand? We'll, um, we'll do the yeah. uh, after dark version. Well, I am interesting interested in talking to Tim to a little further about maybe doing a, a separate side. You know, maybe help helping get the vet rants up because in in the bike, I, I, I'm in the bike community, um, not bicycles, but motorcycles, and um, there's a tremendous Tremendous Wrong um, biker community. They're ex military, ex vet. So, and to hear some of their there. stories, thank you. To hear some of their <laughs> stories out there, it, it's heartbreaking to see that you, you got to think about it. Let's just break it down. You have kids that are signing kids that were just in high school, previous couple of weeks, all of a sudden signing up for military, you know, go through boot camp, do this, you know. Um, go to a war zone, a lot of these guys, and then are broken. And then they come back and we expect them to integrate back in society without help. And so organizations like ODB, my extensive conversations with tend to, and then the brokenness of the government system, which, like I said, we all know it's designed. Anybody, anyone tried to pour gas out of a gas can lately with the, with these new government compliance nozzles? I mean, that, that describes the, yeah, that describes the VA in the nutshell. Trying to pour gas out of one of these things without drenching your shoes and and trying to set the car on fire. It just, you know, that's just the way the way it works. So, um, I, I, man, if anyone's listening to this podcast early on, my my political beliefs are government needs to get out of the way. Let organizations like ODB, um, if we're going to pay tax dollars, then man, just cut the government out. Put or these NGOs like ODV and. Um, uh, the path and things like that. Let, let these guys help out. They know best because they've been there. They have a heart for it. Um, the average person who 
works for some of these organizations. They don't. I mean, they're there for the paycheck. I mean, sure, sir, I'm sure some of them probably have started out with the great intentions, but um, it becomes a, a nine to five job. And obviously, if Tintu's answering the phone at one forty in the morning or four o'clock in the morning and, and whatever, these people are passionate. So, but like I said, I, I'm sure any of these guys sitting right here um, would testify. You know, you don't have to. Uh, Producer Brian, uh, Rye Dog, any questions for these guys? I don't. Yeah, I don't have questions. But yeah, I, I've enjoyed hearing here. You know, we already knew what ODV was doing, but hearing the you know uh, a story that, um, that it kind of touched all of us a little bit. You know, we, we heard the, some of the beginnings of it. Uh, it's just great to I don't know hear more of that. It's yeah. the kind of thing that you can't really get enough of. So the more p- stories you can tell like that, I think only helps your cause. Yeah, putting a face. And a, and a story behind the organization, I think, helps a ton. And, and how it started, I think, Mojo, you said uh, at the a couple episodes or several episodes ago, you were just saying, hey, we're, you know, you talk to Tintu, they need some help, and Blue Collar Cycle Shop, you know, is going to help. And then uh, we said on our side that whatever money that we've raised so far from Patreon, um, every dollar of that went to help ODV. Uh, so we, you know, we didn't, those folks that are trying to help us actually in turn help Mr. Reed. So um, it was just passing along of, of the stuff that has been given to us for the show. So we appreciate uh, all of our Patreon subscribers that helped uh, Mr. Reed. So it wasn't us. It was other people too, Mr. Reed, that was helping as well. They just didn't know it. Um so, guys, I, I appreciate you all so much, Mr. Lee, Mr. Arnold. We're going to have your um, uh, your business, your company's uh, information on our show notes. So if anybody needs uh, grading or pressure washing, uh, look on our show notes. We'll have their information on our show notes there. Obviously, we'll have Operation Decisive Victory. Uh, any final thoughts uh, from any of one, anyone? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I do because I'm short of words always. But, Come on. Um, I I challenge everyone to look to your right and to your left tomorrow when you go out. Look, just seek to see if someone needs help. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't take much. I mean, it it could be uh, like you're saying, going to the Dollar General and helping someone out who needs groceries, or you know, or you see that person who has only three dollars to put in their gas tank and they have a, a car full of kids yelling. You know, help them out. I mean, it doesn't take much. Just a general act of kindness. I mean. Um, I know we're all kind of scared right now, unless you have a face mask and a samurai sword on your hip. It's kind of hard to talk to people, but just just pass love. I mean, that, that's the greatest gift that we can pass on is just that human compassion to our fellow man. So that's it. Absolutely. Mr. Reed, final final thought segment. Uh, basically, it's something I learned in the Marine Corps and boot camp and not to be military-minded. They say leave no man behind. And when I was a kid in San Francisco, Missouri, said take a village and raise a child. Your parents, you know, they could be at work, but other people stepped up. The same board and network right here is what a community should be built and based upon. Because I believe it may be any given moment in anyone's life, anyone can need help. To reach out and help that person, I think that's the greatest gift we could give as humanitarians. 
because uh, I think somebody said something about Jesus. I can't remember the exact quote. Uh, I think Mr. Mojo said, what would Jesus do? Just like the Marine Corps, don't leave nobody behind. Jesus will leave nobody behind. He do that out of love. He died for us all. We spread that love, bro, because right now this world is hurting. And just being the start of it, just being the start, because a lot of things, like, I learned that chain of command and comfort the top, it goes down, but to build, you got to start with a foundation from the bottom and go up. Absolutely. Well, I know for a fact that Operation Decisive Victory is laying a fantastic foundation. So, again, we cannot stress enough Please support this organization. There's a couple ways you can do that. You can give directly on their site. You can sign up uh, for monthly giving. And uh, you can also go to Amazon, uh, smile.amazon.com, I believe it is. And uh, you can add them as one of your charities that you want to give to. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, again, that uh, hopefully you got the check from Amazon because I bought some hemorrhoid cream and Hopefully that you got a few cents out of that. So, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I signed up for uh, the, that. I changed my my charity to them while while they were talking today. So, that a boy, yeah. good job. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm I'm going to dream big. If there's someone that listens to this podcast, it may not be you directly. It could be someone that you know indirectly. But look. Tintu is trying to put together this PATH program. I'm sure he needs housing, needs property, needs plumbing. There's got to be someone out there who has land, who has the, the necessary means to make this happen. So if you're feeling charitable, contact Tintu and Operation DV and help them make this dream a reality. So, you know, yeah, I, I changed my business thing to Amazon Smile to ODV too, but we need the big dollar players. We need the guys who have the properties that can make the make this you know dream happen. So, absolutely. We also want to say thanks again to Mr. Arnold Arnold's pressure washing, Mr. <laughs> Lee from Groundbreakers grading and hauling. Um, again, it's small businesses like you guys that are helping push this movement and making it a reality um, and changing lives. So, thanks again for all that that you do um, on a day in day out basis. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up our show. Mojo, take us out. Appreciate you guys tuning in to this week's special early episode um, with Operation Decisive Victory. You can find us on Facebook at Southern Pride Philosophy. You can also find us on our website at southernpridephilosophy.com. You can go to pretty much wherever you go to your listener podcast, unless it's some uh, Chinese hack app that, you know, Apple Store doesn't allow. You just go in and search uh, Southern Pride Philosophy. Um, you can just Go there, do the old magnifying glass, Southern Pride Philosophy, hit subscribe, give us a like, share your favorite episodes. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SFP Radio. Also, our Patreon link at Patreon forward slash SFP Radio or YouTube at SFP Radio. Most importantly, if you haven't registered to be a, uh, a donor yet, please do that. You can also sign up to be a voter uh, for this upcoming election season, too. You can make a difference there also. Thanks again. And again, we appreciate all you guys to listening and tuning in. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs>